0: Hi, I'm Mikey. Welcome to Everything Aviation Podcast. I'm a microlight pilot, and I've had the privilege of flying some very, very cool aircraft over the years. Been around the aviation industry, I really love hearing people's stories, and I thought other people would love it too. So why not put all these stories in one place and talk to some very, very cool aviators? All that leaves for you now is to sit back, relax, and enjoy this
1: episode. Brilliant. Right, well, we'll go for version two, shall we, Mikey? Now I've actually remembered to put my microphone up. (laughs) So uh, so for those that are new here, welcome to the flight briefing room. Uh, Actually, no, this is me hijacking Mikey's channel for the day, uh, the Everything Aviation podcast, because I thought it'd be a really good idea after Mike interrogates. Is that probably a polite way of saying it? Any uh, any person that comes on uh, on his podcast. Actually, who is Mikey? What's he all about? I'm sure he's got a good few stories under his belt. A good crack. Apparently, it's the term, isn't it? <laughs> uh, and uh, I'm learning the Irish lingo on this one. Apparently, when he send me messages, mate, what does that mean? Oh, I forget your English. You don't understand this stuff. Um, so please introduce yourself. And I've put my hand up to this one. How do you pronounce your surname?
0: <laughs> so I do forget. Wait, wait you Brits. It's very funny that my surname is is unpronounceable. Uh, I'll accept McMahon, but it is pronounced McMahon. Um... I, myself, have had a pilot license for coming. It'd been nine years this year. Um, wow, your are baby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I, it, 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 I've been brought up around aviation, um, and I've had a privilege of flying some very, very cool aircraft, some just from the right seat, uh, but I also have a lot of very cool stuff from the left seat in the logbook as well.
1: Yeah. Or, or, as your recent videos have shown, the rear seat. <laughs> the, the rear we'll seat. Come yeah. that. We'll come on to that later on. Yeah. Um, You've, you've mentioned about your father and other bits and pieces uh, before we started this chat and other things. I'm, I'm assuming he's been a fairly big influence on you getting into aviation. Would, would you say that's true? Yeah, massively. So my
0: dad, um, he was the chief instructor of the Irish Parachute Club for a good few years. Um, but he was, he's was he been parachuting since he was younger than me. Um, so I br- I was brought up on the Irish Parachute Club. Um my dad, watching my dad progress through, he then became a tandem master, uh, he became a jump master, he became a static line coach, um, he was also a, a free fall coach as well, and then became um, chief chief instructor uh, of the Irish Parachute Club for a number of years mm-hmm. as well, um, but he also, he decided that, um, like, skydiving, is, it, you just fall with style, there's no actual kind of flying, <laughs> um, whereas he was like, well, I want to fly, and he came across Flexwing Microlite, and then... Um he did that that was 1999 i think it was and he ended up at the age of five it might me at the age of five ended up getting strapped into the back of this xl
1: uh flexing micro xl and doing my first flight at the age of five in, in an xl wow wow so leading on from that and i think your father may have had some influence in this you are actually TV famous, really, aren't you? From a very young age. Yeah, very young age. Um, so so it's the um, the real magnificent men and their flying machines. How on earth did that come about?
0: So that was it was really strange. The dad rang me up one day and he said he was after been contacted by a few um people uh from Walker George Films on behalf of the BBC who were going to film a documentary about the Real Britain Michaelite rally in 2011. Um, And they asked for characters, basically, they asked the BMA for characters and and who would be good at it. And my dad's name kept coming up. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So eventually they caved and were like, right, okay, um, we'll... Give him buzz and they gave me a buzz, and uh, I was quite surprised. I thought he was just telling me, like, oh, Dad's gonna be on a telly. And then he was like, well, do you want to come? Because he always said he'd never bring me across the sea because from Wexford to to Wales is 72 miles of water and it's a lot of water. I said he'd never bring me, never bring me across. Wet
1: in Ireland and wet in Wales and wet in between.
0: Yeah, basically. It's basically just flying over the sea all the time, and every so often you get little tufts of grass.
1: (laughs) In the middle of the sea is a bit worrying. How did that get there?
0: (laughs) The thing is, you can't tell where the sea is. (laughs)
1: but for those that haven't seen this documentary i'm sure mikey when he finally gets to edit out all the bad bits he doesn't want me to ask questions on um for those that don't know rob his best friend is in the back of his room right now and rob has given me some questions already thanks rob appreciated
0: that's it it's amazing how quickly you can lose best mates
1: yeah how to make friends and influence rob perfect mate perfect anyway um so clearly this this uh, the TV documentary, as we both know from video editing, you can edit anything in the way you want it to. Yeah, so 100%. They made you out to be a real kind of scaredy cat, but actually you had already been flying at that time, hadn't you?
0: I had, yeah, yeah. So
1: they made me out to be a real scaredy
0: cat. So there was there was bits where I've, I've never done a tour. I've, I've never flown outside of the Isle of Ireland. Um and this was a big thing for me and experiencing kind of weather I, I hadn't seen and we're, we're kind of flying, flying around and flying through showers and stuff. And anyway, you know what? There was only like four or five bits um, that I was genuinely like, oh, I'm not too sure about this. But they played on that and the, some of the footage they used, actually. So they sent the cameras off before we even started the rally because um, we, we, myself and my dad, we had to fly um, from Ireland to, to the UK. So we had to do 72 miles of Irish Sea. Way 40 minutes out of sight of land uh, on either side um wow. and the statistics and all like that it, it was quite that was that was kind of one of the first things that i was a little bit scared about because was the statistics and all that was the temperature of the water at that time of year and everything um, and yeah. if we had it gone down by the time the helicopter got to us they would have just been picking up two dead bodies out of the water yeah um and that was that's kind of a thing that that's that I, i've got what nearly 200 hours flying now and it's still a thing that that sits in my mind when i'm doing sea crossings and stuff like that it mm. it, it, it doesn't go away but they, they, i avoid they water at
1: all costs when i can
0: <laughs> yeah exactly even going out to the isle of wight across that as a sea crossing
1: <laughs> yeah you can um, go by the little spur bit can't you i think if i ever do it i'll do it by the spur and yeah across
0: exactly yeah. And, and it's since since then like I've, I've done i've done the isle of wight quite a few times but i've also crossed the english channel into france with a sky ranger as well and brought that down to the south of france um hmm. so we've done them crossings as well but all this was filmed before we actually got to the rally but they kind of played on that and used that footage to make it look like it was part of the, the rally to make it look like i was scared all the time
1: was your mum generally as scared as she was
0: um
1: i she had think tears so her eyes.
0: i was i was like <laughs> I'm, the, I'm, I'm the i'm the i'm the kind of cherished one in the family as to say so i think she she kind of was
1: yeah fair enough that that, that was genuine as it was so. yeah that was um there's two points I'm gonna I'm gonna sort of bring in now from, from what you've touched on there parachuting. <laughs> <Yeah>. Most <laughs> most pilots, why would you jump out of a perfectly serviceable aeroplane, especially if you're learning to fly? How did parachuting come into this? Um, because I've done one jump and I can guarantee I'm never doing it again. So it, I'm it, happy it, I've done it, but you yeah. just kept on going back for more, didn't you?
0: Well, I'm I'm on the I'm on the bit now where I probably never do it again. Um, so I was brought up in the Irish Parachute Club and. Age she's twelve, <laughs> 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 my um, age twelve, strapped to my dad, thirteen and a half thousand feet, back of a Pilatus Porter. Um, door slides open, so the whole side of this airplane is opened, and I'm looking at this thirteen thousand foot abyss. Um, and it's your bo- The body is a very strange thing. I remember sitting in the door, and I remember my dad giving me thumbs up. Um, to say it's okay to put my arms out, uh, but I don't remember. Were you tandem at this point? I was tandem, yeah, yeah. yeah and I yeah. don't remember leaving the aircraft, um, I, but I, I apparently I kicked for a good fifteen hundred feet, and I have no recollection of that either. And we were we were going up on our sides and everything. I have no recollection of this whatsoever. Um, so then we we landed. I perforated an eardrum. Uh, that was all fun and oh, games. That, that 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 was it was it was great and gave such an adrenaline rush and it just kind of led in from there. because I, I was spending all my time at the Irish Parachute Club and growing up and I ended up being their their gear manager so hiring out and uh, kit and all that for uh, for students um, and and making sure it's all come back in and everything. And but then also been there their ground manager as well, which is kind of where. I think more the aviation side of it came in um, for flying because I was playing yeah. with this Pilatus Porter and flying into this Pilatus Porter all the time. And it was just got to a stage where I was getting more of a buzz of the thought of being in the aircraft than being out of it. But to this yeah. day, I still go and do indoor skydiving and everything like that in the wind tunnels because it, it's just, it, it is addictive and it feels exactly yeah. like the real thing.
1: Yeah. that, that It's just madness, I say. We, we carry them. I flew with parachutes and gliders, but it, it doesn't normally transport. Fire that most people that learn to fly they can start jumping out of them. Whereas actually you've done it the other way around, haven't you really?
0: Well exactly. Before I even started doing lessons and all that, I jumped out of an airplane. Um mm. and same with my dad. My dad had jumped out before he, he taught he always wanted to be a pilot but he went to skydiver roof first. Um yeah. and it, it's kind of a strange dynamic. And also it's it's funny as well that like myself and my dad uh I more recently than, than that but my dad uh, is terrified of heights I um, say the same as myself, uh, but it's, it, it, it's he, he's got no problem going to twenty odd thousand feet and jumping out of an airplane. Uh, mm. Whereas you try and get him to go up and clean the snow off the TV aerial so we can watch something on the telly, it's a big no-no. Um, mm. So it, I can
1: relate to that. I can. Yeah, relate
0: to that. It's, it's a strange. I got a balcony here that I can just about stand on, but I uh, I nearly my knees gave way at the top of the Empire State Building with my other half. Wow. Of the
1: the, the, there's an in joke between Mike and myself that he won't fly that high. Yeah, he'll quite happily jump out of an aeroplane. Like <laughs> two and a half thousand feet, you peaked, mate, aren't you? It's like I don't go That's any higher. Two and, and a half, half. Though, any higher
0: than that, I start getting the nosebleed.
1: Yeah, yeah. Stop with those. Stop the nose. <laughs> so clearly, you've also said about the, the fact that you were learning to fly as well at this at this time. So, so how did you go about getting your MPPL? Because clearly, you did it. Stop saying clearly, but. You did it at a very young age, didn't you? You started at fifteen, you soloed at sixteen, and then had your MPPL by seventeen, I think. Yeah, 17 so birthday. That's that's a pretty good stint, you know, to, to be able to do it that quickly as well. How did that happen? What, what was your other than influences from family that clearly flew?
0: Um, so my it, it's a very and was it three
1: axis or was it flex wing at the time?
0: It was three axis, and I'll tell you how that yeah. came about. Um. My dad was a flex wing pilot. He's a, he's does both now. Um, he, he's he's a great fella. He's a senior inspector for the BMAA. He's a Czech pilot for the uh, for the uh, NMAI and the BMAA. And he was uh, chairman of the uh, um, National Microlight Association of Ireland for a good while as well. Um, so it always looked like it was going to go flex wing, and I enjoyed flying in the back of the flex wing. But that documentary, we, you'll see bits where I'm saying I'm I'm cold, and I, in fairness, I I was freezing and um, the day it was coming up to my 15th birthday he was asking me what i want what he was going to get me a flying lesson um but he wasn't sure whether i wanted to go flexing or three axis so the day we went flying and he asked me there was snow on the ground and um, i was i was rattling in the back i was shivering like anything and he said to me what do you what do you want to fly have you thought about it three axis or flexing and i thought well, I can't be flying in these conditions like this, so I, was, I want something with cabin heat, so straight away I went three access. Um And that's where that was born, and I ended up with Rayfield O'Carroll up in Carnan Aviation in, in County Armagh, um, which which is a fantastic school. And At the time, I described their field like an aircraft carrier. What a place to... There's a lot of people in Ireland that have really short farm strips, and they wouldn't be comfortable with you coming in. But as soon as you said you learned to current aviation, Rayfield O'Carrolls, they just put the phone and said, yeah, you're grand. Because this thing was 350 meters with just under 300 usable. Uh, you're coming in over high tension power lines um, and then right. dropping into a valley and having to fly up a hill to land. One way in, one way out, no room for error. So it really, really yeah. honed your skills in. Um, mm. And doing that at the age of, of 15 really just blew my mind. Um, mm. that, that was just amazing to do
1: um, so and flying is is great isn't it the fact you can get in and out of places where bigger aircraft just can't do that
0: exactly it. like you try and take a cessna 172 or anything like that into there it was never going to happen um and it was great because going back to saying the, the influence of family members and everything when i showed my granddad this uh where i was finding on my granddad's ex-royal air force and ex-air canada and um he, wow. he was on queen's flight for a good few years um and, and then he went on to, and I can't remember what flight he was on after was it that.
1: Was it 32 squadron then? Was it still 32 squadron?
0: I'm not 100% sure. I t- it was well. that long ago, they were still flying the Wessex. Um, Blimey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and a Heron, I think he mentioned as well. Um, but,
1: wow, yeah, that is old school.
0: Yeah, he was 60, he Was in? I think it was 60 to 69, he was on Queen's Fly for, um, and then he went on to, to Air Canada after that, but, showing him where I landed into the into here and just seeing him light up and be like, Really? It's like, yeah, yeah. And describing it as like an aircraft carrier trying to get on and off. It was just that short and and like that. <laughs> it was it was great. And that, that was another big influence really was was when I said it because you know you start and it seems like a mountain you have to climb and do I keep going that mountain do I not? And having the support from my dad and my granddad and see my granddad's face light up every time you mentioned it um, was absolutely amazing as well. Um, so that kind of that, that went on and then at that stage I had I went solo uh, 12 and a half hours so when it came up to that documentary being filmed where it looked like I was scared all the time I had 10 and a half hours at that stage
1: uh, yeah.
0: under my belt in a C-42 getting ready to go solo and I'd yeah. done engine Failures I'd done stalls I'd done unusual dangerous attitudes it was just building up the time now getting ready to go and waiting for a cam Yeah. to do it and I was juggling all that as well with school. I was still in school and I was doing my um, junior search at the time, which would be the equivalent of the GCSEs in the UK. Um, so I was trying, I was also studying for the the exams for pilot exams, but also studying for, for life exams, as to say in school. Um mm. so that that kind of took up a lot of time and trying to balance that and everything like was was quite hard. I'm not the most academic person, so when it came to like school stuff or flying stuff, I was more kind of I put all my best into the school stuff but not really my brain never was satisfied it was always satisfied when i was reading about air law and everything like that rather than reading about what the birth rate of sudan is
1: (laughs) (laughs) i can i can relate to that schoolwork sucked but flying flying study was great you know yeah exactly e5b yeah (laughs) I don't care about your equations or what be E5 b? Give me more maths problems on this thing. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. So in school, I couldn't solve a maths problem for anything, but give me one, give me trying calc- to try calculate a time over, over a certain point. I have it done in a minute. Yeah.
1: Is that wind up or wind down method? <laughs> <laughs> so where did you take your flying after that? I mean, clearly from, from where you were then to where you are now, there's been a bit of a gap and you've carried on flying. Yeah. Where, so you learnt in ireland but le- clearly you're ireland. not in ireland now you're, le- you're flying on the south coast aren't you yeah so what, I'm, I mean, what's I'm happened, happened in that day time day. period in your life have you just sustained the microlight flying
0: um so <laughs> i don't know what you mean like, i'm I'm licensed for microlight i'm getting
1: there with an a320 uh, hopefully with an instructor's tick on the end of it as well um is that for full size as in or is that simulator? Because i know you've got that, a video of you on a simulator that that's going to be for the sim instructor okay um which i'm happy which i'm happy with because uh isn't, I, isn't that just a big computer game really isn't it
0: just just a yes flight simulator x <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: i'm not even a pilot really the <laughs> <Flippin' egg. laughs> <laughs> So you've been working towards that qualifications but there, there must have been something in that time period that was i mean for me uh it was any job i had was a means of getting airtime so to can maintain your license there must have been some jobs in that time period from when you've left school to now that has allowed you to fund your aviation passion
0: yeah so i um i, I did a very very short stint uh with the military um, that was great crack, but it it wasn't meant to be. Um, and then after that, uh, I went with a well-known airline in Ireland, um, who were, were great fun, um, and and did the work. But I just it got to a stage where I just wanted to fly for a living, and I didn't mind what I did. So I went as yeah. crew with this well-known airline in in Ireland, um, and that was that was great fun um, do, doing all that. And then kind of from there. Uh, just just kept up with the micro life line and flew some amazing things. And like I said, with the parachute club, we were flying in the Pilatus Porter and everything like that. And got to fly right seat in a Skyvan, got to fly in a Dornier DA 28, I think it was Skymaster or Skystar. <laughs> wow, that's a turbo uh, prop, isn't it? Yeah, twin turboprop. It gets to 14,500 feet in, in something like eight minutes. Um, <laughs> absolute mad thing, but uh, so yeah, there was always that. And then we we acquired, um, I think before, uh, before, uh, before joining um, the military, and and, and, uh, and then kind of went from there. We we, we joined this airline, um, but we're flying AX, a little two stroke AX3 at the time uh, when all this was was going on as well. Uh, so that was that it was seems great.
1: to be a big following for the AX3 yeah I, it I, does every, it does everything at 50 miles an hour
0: it climbs at 50 descends at 50 and cruises at 50 and you, I've, I've tried to get it faster and i climbed up it took me ages to do this one day but i climbed up to about two and a half thousand feet put the nose <laughs> down and left the power on and i think i just managed to scrape 62 miles an hour over
1: i don't want to tell you what my pb does but anyway that's another story <laughs> it's all about you it's all about you uh so clearly you've, um, you've got an exuberant style of flying. And this is leading on to the next bunch of questions. So I know we've chatted about this on phone conversations as well. So there is an element of competition in your life. Because yeah. I've seen the trophies. And I think they're on your Instagram. And I'm sure you'll put a link to your Instagram on here. So all the, I'm not sure which order these are going to come in. But they're from someone you do know. Uh, Edwin L. and the next phrase is pylon racing
0: yes yes
1: please elaborate on microlights and pylon racing you normally have visions of beefed up p-51 mustangs or jet aircraft whizzing around nevada and this and the other but microlights and pylon racing i'm trying to compute that at the minute so go on 2018
0: uh, myself and Ed we took uh, his competition Sky Ranger down to uh, the south of France to a place mm. called Banadets and we competed down there for a week and we did another one down there and that's actually on my YouTube channel you can check that out and that was that was amazing that was yeah was that, that fairly low level to say the least? um if I remember it correctly, remember or mind or it's in French airspace so we're all good. Um, it was <laughs> 66 feet on the altimeter. <laughs>
1: <laughs> all legal pylon racing in a microlite in france yeah <laughs> so, the, so the other the other um element was from your good friend paul dewhurst uh you obviously clean as your father very well uh was more about the franglais and i'm sure there's many stories you can't tell but is there any amusing ones that you can tell about your uh, your time with Paul on the front glaze because see that was later on wasn't it
0: <laughs> yeah so so um do you know it, it was just it was it was amazing to 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 learn from someone um it was sat, sat beside me in, in that kind of it's almost it's almost like if you were sitting beside god that's who was sat beside me um, don't
1: tell paul he's god
0: <laughs> and the funny thing was as paul was letting me fly as well so that kind of blew my mind one of the best ones we had was we were coming down, we hadn't even got, we were transiting from Sywell to the Isle of Wight, and HMS Queen Elizabeth was in port. And we were coming down Portsmouth. And um, so we come straight down over Portsmouth Harbour in, in the clear bit, uh, and then straight out to the Isle of Wight, coasting a, coasting a ride, and then in that way. And uh, the two of us, I, do, I don't even know what it was looking, I was sat in the left seat, kind of looking and cruising, looking down at this aircraft carrier. Uh, and Paul kind of looks at me and grinned, and he went, if the ticker at the front of this was to stop now, where would you go? And I looked down and went, uh, onto the carrier, Paul. And he said, yeah, I don't think there's an aviator who wouldn't.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that is so atypical Paul, isn't it? He's a man by the book when it suits, when it suits. Sorry, Paul, kick me later, mate. Kick me later. <laughs> but I had to ask those questions. They came out. Uh, the, the The following on questions that I've got and this is maybe where Rob might want to leave the room. <laughs> I'm building it up here, building it up, building un- uncomfortable, uncomfortable. Sorry, <laughs> building up the uncomfort level. Um, yeah, Isle Rob. of White. I'm adding two words. Spit roast.
0: <laughs> so um, that was that's more Rob. And and, than and, eight. The, and the
1: the clarification point here for those that are listening, while Mike's rec- regaining himself is Where did you put the other half of the chicken? (laughs) Go on, tell us a story.
0: So uh, the spit roast started with... Uh, myself and Rob had just done a beautiful evening of flying it was timed to last year 30 degrees we climbed up to 2,000 feet it was still 29 degrees up there It was you it still was... haven't
1: broken 2,500 feet Barry have you? no
0: definitely not Well, I,
1: we'll, we'll get on to that I, d-
0: I did at one stage and I'll get on in something a bit quicker and something that used to carry weapons but we'll come on to that um, but so <laughs> we've landed and we're having the, we're, we're sat in my, my, my club Flight Sport Aviation uh, and we had landed Uh, one of the instructors had landed and one of the other renters had landed. So I don't know who had it, but these beers just appeared and the sun was setting. We just had a fantastic time of flying. We sat there outside. There wasn't a breath of wind. Sun was going down. Air was still sipping beer. How It doesn't get much better than that. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, we were chatting about where do we want to go. And next. So I looked at Rob and was like, oh yeah, you know, like Isle of Wight could be good. And Rob out of nowhere went, yeah, I'd love to go to the Isle of Wight for a spit roast. And (laughs) the other renter who was with us spat his beer out across the table because Rob made a... And to this day, we have not let him forget it. And it was one of the funniest things ever. So anyway, fast forward to September when Spamfield was on. Myself and Rob get into a C-42. Another one of our club members who flies with us, Martin, he comes with us. We're flying down. Nick from our club is with us as well. We've all got there. Rob's decided to be different. We've all gone hot dogs. Rob wants half a chicken. So Rob, Rob gets his chicken, eats all the bits first. And all of a sudden, we've seen these CBs kicking off all around to the, to the south. And we kind of want to go to the to the uh, west, or east. A uh, uh, north, so we were like, right, we're not kind of liking this. Should we let's go? So we abandoned our plans to fly around the needles and all that as well. Jumped in the aircraft, took off, and halfway across the Solent, I said to Rob, "Oh, I'm really sorry, you had to, uh, you had to throw away your chicken." To which Rob produces this half chicken from underneath the seat in the C42. I went, "No, you're all right. I've still got it." Showed it <laughs> to me and put it back under.
1: <laughs> Rob. Styling panache. Styling panache. That's how you do it. He's like Joey out of Friends, isn't he? Joey doesn't share food. <laughs> it's it's kind
0: of like that. You try and take any of Rob's your food, you're losing an arm. <laughs> People have died for less.
1: Fair enough. Um, and, uh, and apparently you, you've had a, a quick reaction alert interception on final approach at Headcorn Airfield. Oh, God. Now, now I know that you do vlog a lot of your flights. So, again, those that have not realised that Mikey does have a YouTube channel, it is growing, and he's learning the art of sound. Now, at this time, I don't think you had sound on your cameras, did you?
0: Well, I did have sound, and it got the takeoff, um, but failed kind of somewhere in the middle, which I'm kind of glad of, because <laughs> I'd have probably been locked up for some of the... Um,
1: Some of the colourful
0: language that was used in this, but um, so what
1: actually happened?
0: So we've we've kind of we we've come over headcorn. We joined at the numbers down the far end. We've taken up a downwind. We're the only one in the circuit. We're doing all our calls. Headcorn. We're the only ones headcorn are speaking to at this moment of time. Um, It was quite cool. Not a gauge was moving in the cockpit. We're on the downwind. The Spitfires underneath us. Um, Life is good. Anyway, coming round to left base. Uh, usually on base, people, you know, fly the C42. You throttle back, lift the nose up slightly, get it slowed into the white arc, first stage of flap, carry on. Um, as I've come around the corner, we've, we've done a good look out first. There's still nothing around. As I've come around the corner, I've gone to lift the nose, lift the nose, bled the speed off, got it in the white arc. I've lifted up for the flaps. And as I've gone up for the flaps, this Cessna 152 has descended right down in front of us. And I mean, it was close. The, the GoPro being a wide-angle lens didn't do... In any justice we had to they always abandon. look further
1: away than they actually are yeah exactly
0: and this was this was close to the point where Rob went Rob didn't even have time to say anything uh, I just had to throw away the flaps uh, I did this massive turn and pointed the nose down in a, this right hand turn because eyes, eyes on
1: stalks at this point
0: <laughs> yeah basically Um, just massive turn to get out of the circuit to come back in Um, while I was me and Rob were, were both shouting obscenities at this Cessna one five two, who didn't call anything just to send us straight down into. Yeah,
1: they can hear you from the other aircraft. <laughs>
0: oh, it was, oh I, I wish they could. Um, yeah. So to get my own little back, I thought I won't say any of these obscenities on the radio, and uh, so we re-established for finals. Um, and as I reestablish, I just said uh, we were in Victor Romeo that day. I said golf Victor Romeo was reestablished finals. We were cut off by a Cessna one five two. Now at this stage, he's still on the runway. So he doesn't vacate the runway. So I'm thinking of doing a go around at this this stage
1: yeah. um,
0: until eventually he, he gets off. Uh, because I, it, it's probably not like uh, great to admit, but because of that, um, such a shock and all that, my my flair. There wasn't really a flare on the landing, so it was kind of a yeah. At a point where Rob asked me, "Was I going to flare anytime soon?" And by the time I did, um, we bounced too about, late. Yeah, we bounced about fifteen feet and started flying normally in the air again. Um, oh, so landed landed that, and then the pilot, like a two-time half, he came up to us and was like, "Oh, that was me." You know, I was like, "Well, have you not got windows in your one five two to look out of or any radio to be chatting away to?" Um, so that was kind of that. That was the, f- the closest call I think I've ever had. Um with with someone but I, I think by the time myself and rob were finished with him he, he
1: kind of got an idea of how in the wrong he was <laughs> do you reckon someone in the cockpit said hold my beer watch this uh, maybe <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, but yeah well, we were... you alluded
1: earlier to um Again, those, are, those. Are, so there's, there's a lot of banter between Mikey and myself about flying high because of, of stuff I've done. But again, this is about Mikey tonight. Uh, you alluded about something that you'd flown in a lot faster and a lot higher. Yes. Yeah, so we. What? What? Come on. There's, there's got to be. A, you are a man of many stories. So just come on. What, what happened here? What this, took you above the, the two and a half thousand feet and seventy knots? So
0: people, especially around the war, would remember this one. Uh, it was a T6 Harvard. Um and for those listening, a T six Harvard is the last aircraft that Battle of Britain pilots or any kind of RAF pilot in the war would have gone on before being handed the keys to a, a Spitfire or a hurricane. Um and again myself and Rob um decided that we would go and have a spin in this war war bird, as I say. There's um, a trend
1: here between you and Rob and good ideas.
0: Yeah, there is, yeah, yeah. I I'm not sure who's who's worse for starting them. <laughs> um, but even even that headcorn trip actually that was born out of on the way back from the Isle of Wight trip uh, when we said we mm. should go and get some breakfast in headcorn that was the very next day so that's what we did. Um, so if we had died that day, who to blame? I don't know.
1: But... <laughs> <laughs> There's something's so morbid. Come on. Anyway, <laughs> fast and high, fast um, and high.
0: So yeah, we 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 got the opportunity, which is fantastic, to fly in the Wacky Wabbit um, the Harvard T Six, um, and that. I think I'm pretty sure that actual aircraft has, has seen combat down in Africa, and we got a chance to fly in this aircraft. Uh, so we went up to Peterborough, Connington about three weeks ago now, and got got to fly in this. And uh, he, he set me up. He got me to 2,000 feet, and he said, "Okay, you, you have you have control." Um, I, I took control of it, and it's so light on on on, on to touch, but it's so fast and everything that like even the slightest turn you start pulling a bit of G. Um, and I think I've accidentally in it done plus four minus two uh, but just <laughs> trying to correct things. Um, <laughs> uh, it's a big tub, isn't it? Was it two and a half tons? Two, two and a half tons. So when, when he said to me, before he gave me control, uh, Pilot was asking what I usually fly. And I was, oh, Icarus C-42 Microlite. He's like, what weight are we talking about? It was like 450 kg all up. And he started laughing and he was like, well, this is a two and a half ton tank. And on that note, you have control. And I'm like, oh, I have control. So when I took the control of this aircraft, I thought it was going to be really heavy. And it makes the C-42 look heavy. The controls were really light. You're flying it with two fingers. Mm. Um, But because it's so sensitive and everything like that, and because it's so fast, you're doing 250 miles an hour in this thing. And uh, because it was so fast, I didn't realize I was climbing. So when I actually did look at the altimeter on my way back to Connington, I was realized we're going to have to do a hell of a descent because we're up at three and a half thousand feet, nearly four thousand feet here. And that's the highest i had been in quite a while.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Without jumping out of something.
0: Yeah. <laughs> or going to work.
1: <laughs> oh, fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> wow. So, yeah, um, I can't. You, you always get this impression of films that they're really heavy on the controls, but you said it's really light, almost finger and thumb type glider style It's probably the, the only way I could akin it. Yeah. Uh, it,
0: it, so I first grabbed it um full full fists and ready to ready to wrestle and there there was no wrestling as soon as i took control she dropped her left wing because it was my right hand that took the control and pushed it too much that way and i was like oh okay so i to correct that which was grand um yeah that's that's i was the first two minutes was was bouncing around the place trying to get a feel of this and it was very funny Glenn, our pilot was like oh the nose has to be on the horizon i'm so far back in the back of this thing i can't see the nose so i'm kind of just look trying to look at the air. Uh, the um, speed indicator and, and, and the climb indicator to see what, what we were hitting, just trying to get straight and level. Um, throwing it around the place was, was great fun and you didn't have mm. to try hard to get up near 4G and it was, it was amazing. Yeah. To, yeah. You, you, when you climbed into this aircraft, you can tell it wasn't built for leisure. It was built for war. Um, yeah. But it, it, it was such an amazing and capable aircraft. We were right on the wind limits that day as well for crosswind, and it just took it in a stride. And take my hat off to Glenn as well. The pilot, he he knew what she could do, and he knew his capabilities. And we we were there was no doubt in my mind. Um but we did this. I mean, The, the
1: grin on your video was just—it was just—you couldn't wipe that grin off your face for days. I reckon
0: six six hundred horsepower starting up in front of me in a radial engine. I—that I, was—it was amazing. And then the smell filled the cockpit, and I was like. This is this is this is what I've dreamt about. This is what bodyhood dreams are made of. It's flying in these fires. You read Jeffrey Wellham's first light book. You, you yeah. are them. These are the aircraft that they're writing about and they're talking about and having fun in. And I'm I'm mm. sat in one that that possibly he himself could have sat in one in, in, yeah. in this aircraft. And I'm sat in this aircraft experiencing what what
1: he's experienced. This what what you're saying now sounds very similar to your interview with Sam. Sam with Delise, where he was talking about that feeling and having. You know Jeffrey Wellham's book in his pocket.
0: Well, that's it. Sam Sam has become a great friend of mine. Um, well, I count him as a great friend. Uh, True, through, through this podcast um, and and through that, and and Sam described it as Sam sold out a split fire, and he, he's always carried a copy of Jeffrey Wellham's first light in, in his pocket, and it was from reading that book that he's always wanted to. Go and fly the Spitfire, and and I, I don't think there's many people on this planet, um, who would say no. Apart from my mother, mm. I did ask her the other day, and she said if she was offered a flight in a in a Spitfire, she would say no. Um, but really, <laughs> yeah, she's, she's she's weird. She is. Um, so, but there's not many people. And then to hear Sam talking about it with such passion and seeing that Jeffrey Williams book in his pocket when when he's flying this, he's, he's doing a victory roll in solo in a spitfire while tapping his, his, his leg pocket with, with the book in it. And I was like, that, that's yeah, so good." Cool. That, that was cool a great,
1: that. a great podcast you did there. And it's, it really brought out the passion behind it. And, exactly. and that's what I'm getting now from, from this, just this chat with you is just, you've lived, breathed, fallen through aviation um, for, for most of your life. And, and it's very hard to get those feelings and passions out. You know, tell any pilot you can't fly It is pretty much like chopping a leg or an arm off
0: Exactly.
1: Um, you know even even i've tried stopping flying for a bit through through personal reasons and it was like can't do it i've got to go back and do it more I'm say, so... see, i I took a two-year break um while i was training for for a career and then money
0: and stuff like that and trying to find my feet a bit and even then it just always felt like there was something missing so when i was offered the opportunity to to revalidate my my mpbl i was like yeah 100 let's let's go and do it
1: hmm. um you'll always find a way and a means won't you yeah exactly if you
0: I am a firm believer of if you want to do it you'll find a way um yeah and that, that's what anything in life or you'll important. find a way
1: not to do it if you don't want to do it
0: exactly my dad always said tell yourself you're right tell yourself you're wrong either way you're right and yeah. and he, he's right you can the brain's a powerful thing and what you feed it, it really does affect how, how it goes and, and this and the yeah. stuff, stuff like that is is you can either find a way of, of doing it or you can find a way of not doing it
1: So I'm going to take you back to Isle of Wight now from a story that you did tell me, and it still tickles me. So um, Danny, the uh, airfield owner, is a (laughs) colorful chap. Is he not? He is indeed. (laughs) Um, Did you, by any chance, park on the taxiway at Spanfield? Um, I I
0: tried to blame Paul for this, but I was in the left seat, so it's kind of my fault. Um, we were trying to get over to Paul Welsh uh, we were here for the Franglais, we'd arrived it was quite busy, uh, it was Spamfield and uh, the Eurostar flying all at once Right. Um, so there's aircraft everywhere and on, on this taxiway, so you're coming, coming off the room and there's a taxiway heading for a camping area, and we were like, oh, we'll go over there to the, to the camping area because uh, we can see Paul Welsh so as for taxiing I hear on the radio uh, Julian, India, you know, whatever the radio was, stop, stop, stop so I thought there was something wrong, stop, mags boom Comes over anyway. Dan's like, No, nah, you can't go that way. Blah blah blah. Now you're blocking the taxiway. Blah blah blah. And I was like, oh, Sorry, yeah, really sorry. But rather than let me move the aircraft, he switches from bollocking me to, Have you seen my museum? And I'm like, Sorry, do you want to see my rocket? And I was like, <laughs> Jim Say Carrey, my He was like, do you, want, do you want to see my rocket? And I was like, I'm not quite sure how to answer this. And it's still, actually, do you know what? The Isle of Wight sounds a bit suspect when Dan's shown his rocket and Rob Squire wants to go for a spit roast. Um, But. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> we we ended up having a walk around this this museum which is very impressive if you do get a chance to go go and have a look because i didn't realize that the british space program from the 60s and 50s was actually hosted on the isle of wight and there's a lot oh, right. of that in this museum which which dan has brought to life and he's now yeah. got the rocket garden so the rocket that he was showing us is now standing up in a garden um
1: a red a red tip rocket
0: with, with the red tip yeah um <laughs> Why I? But <laughs> um, well, yeah, while all this is going on, we haven't moved the airplane. The airplane is still sat in this taxiway. So, <laughs> what did you do? I just went back and then asked him where he'd like me to put it after we'd had a look at the museum.
1: Fair enough. I enjoyed the museum visit. Yeah, yeah exactly. it, it just tickles me. It really does. Um, I've got a couple of questions. I have
0: another story I probably haven't told you. For staying on the thing of Um back in 2014 when Game of Thrones was getting filmed in Northern Ireland, myself and a mate of mine had taken off. Um, <laughs> and uh, we had discovered where they were filming Game of Thrones and they were filming at this current time. And we were just circled and circled and circled um, and took pictures. And then my mate flew and, while well, I took pictures. And then I flew while she took pictures. And eventually, anyway, we, we went back to the airfield. And when we landed, my flight instructor was like, where have you two been? And we were like, oh, no why? He's like, well, why, why have I been told you're over flying Game of Thrones and annoying them while they're filming it? And I was like, uh, uh, well, it wasn't us <laughs> best bollocking I've ever got.
1: I can neither confirm or deny, and I have no recollection of that event.
0: I'd like to point out as well, we were illegal. It was about 1,500 feet we were doing this.
1: Yeah. I think I've still got the radar traces somewhere for you, mate. <laughs> So there's actually a special part of your life that um that became quite famous a while ago wasn't it to do with Robbie.
0: Yes. So is there a
1: bit of story behind that one?
0: There is. Robbie Robbie's my brother and Robbie's got a uh, rare condition called Williams syndrome. So Robbie's missing 26 genes from chromosome 7. He's got elf life features, gaps between the teeth, um, he's short. He's physically he'd be 11 this year but he he mentally don't be be kind of five or six. Um but he's only got one emotion. And that emotion is, is happiness. He doesn't know anything else other than happiness. And he's born into the right family where he doesn't even know there's anything wrong with him because everyone's a lunatic in our family. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and one day I got this idea. Robbie had sat in airplanes and he'd been brought up around airplanes, same as myself. And one day I just got this wild idea about bringing Robbie for a flight. And I was getting ready to move to the UK um, for, yeah. for another airline. Um, I was getting ready to, 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 to move and I was kind of trying to, trying to put all my ducks in order and fly as much as I could and enjoy myself. and uh, So myself, and my best mate Keane um, had come up with this plan to bring Robbie flying, but I always thought my dad was going to want to do it. So we went to my dad and dad was stuck into, I don't know, Flog It or one of them programs that are on on a Wednesday afternoon. And um, I was like, dad, can I bring Robbie flying? Thinking he'd say no. And he was like, well, yeah, if he wants to go flying. I was like, oh. but that was an answer. I wasn't, Expecting right okay. okay so I rang current aviation and was like look I want this is what I want to do uh, will you let me do it and they were like yeah no waters hiring airplane. I was like cool so very early Saturday morning that was on the Wednesday very early Saturday morning uh, I was kicking Keane out of bed because um, Keen doesn't like early mornings so I had to drag him out of bed put him in the car and drive up to go and to the to the air, airfield so about three hour drive Robbie and all the gone they've they gone up on their holidays for the weekend and uh, so they yeah. were going to meet us there so. We got there anyway, it was a bit foggy, we sat on the ground, decided I wanted to test it out, so I put Robbie in the airplane, uh, got his booster seat out of the car so he could see out the window, because everyone knows the C-42, it's got moulded bucket seats, and mm. um, if you're quite short, you can't actually see out the window, so Robbie had been five at the time, um, couldn't see out the window, so we got his booster seat, put him in, strapped him in, said, like, right, that's okay. Um, waiting and more, countless cups of tea later. Boom, blue skies, no wind, it's time to go. Lucky enough, my mate, uh, Steve, um, who does a lot of wingsuit uh, proximity flying and flies lights as well out currently navigation aviation, uh, had also said that uh, he'll be there. So he turns up with his GoPro um, and and the, the audio lead. So I was like, brilliant. Now, I wasn't expecting anything of this. And we, we got some really cool stuff and some great pictures. And- so to test Robbie out, Robbie's ears are very sensitive. And the last thing I wanted to do was, was hurt his ears. So I wanted to test it out. And I also didn't want to scare him because if we took off, it could be a minute to a minute and a half before I can reconfigure that airplane and land again. And for someone who's not enjoying it and who's scared, that is the longest minute and a minute and a half of their life.
1: Yeah, and It's I like an hour, wouldn't it?
0: Exactly. Um, and an hour of being scared isn't very fun. Um, so I really wanted to, to test him out. So we, we got him in, pressed the push to start, looked at him. And he smiled. He had his headsets on and he smiled. And I think one of the things as well that helped was he could hear himself through the headsets. He could hear me. Um Yeah. So that was fine. So I was like, right, okay. Uh, and because the aircraft had already been flown, all the T's and P's were in the green already. So I was like, right, okay, let's do a taxi down to the end of the runway and then we'll do a full power taxi back up to see what you thought. So taxi down, he was all good. Mm. On the way back up, full power. And I got a whee through the headsets. I looked over <laughs> and he was big, big green on his face. So I was like, right, okay, so... Tried it again, again, a big wee. So I was like, brilliant. I was like, okay, thumbs up to the family. Let's go and do this. Let's just go flying. Um, yeah. So lined up. Uh, as I lined up, I said to him, right, Robs, do you want to go flying? He said, yeah. So sure. Gave each other a fist bump. Um, and then I announced that we were going flying. And it was at this moment, it hit me. I was like, Jesus, I'm bringing, bringing my five-year-old brother flying.
1: Flying, yeah. And
0: I put full power on, got to about got to about 150 feet, uh, and I got... I. I said Robbie we're flying he said yeah we're in the sky today and I was like yeah so that was a big thing we had a big cheer I released it at that point I kind of settled into it um because it was it's quite nerve-wracking that if anything happens that's my five-year-old brother and the the pride and joy of the family sat beside me um and it, as well, Dad was like, I'll oh, just make sure nothing happens because he got Robbie on board. I was like, yeah, cheers, Dad. Um, so, uh,
1: <laughs> nothing like uh, yeah, a short, succinct brief. Don't throw yeah. up.
0: <laughs> so we, we kind of flew flew around Tandra Gee itself, um, had, had a bit of fun kind of brought him back in. Robbie was loving every minute of it. Steve got on the radio, asked Captain Robbie, was he on the radio? Robbie was absolutely loving it and trying to respond and everything. Uh, but he couldn't reach the pre-PTT button on the right-hand side, so he couldn't talk to him, unfortunately. Um, so as we came back around to Tandrigi, picked up a long finals. Um, two of us, I don't think any of us were ready to land, but all good things must must come to an end. and yeah. Finish um, on a high. Exactly. So we, we lined up, um, put the flaps on, kind of concentrating. It was a little bit of a termic day, so the, the approach wasn't really going the way I wanted it to. I wasn't getting heights right, so I was doing everything I could,
1: side-slipping to get it in and everything. You did look fairly focused in the video.
0: Yeah, it was It was kind of like, oh, like, usually your focus anyway, and then you got Robbie's up beside you as well, which is which has is added, added that little bit of pressure of, this needs to be nice. Um, but as as I come out of a side-slipping, just kind of got down a bit more, Robbie's gone, Mikey, I said, yes, Rob. We're getting dinner today. Yeah, we'll get dinner with today,
1: yeah.
0: Are we gonna have dinner with Keane? Yeah, we'll have dinner with Keane and Dad and Dad, yeah. And you and me, yeah. We'll have dinner together. And my sister got really annoyed because he didn't mention her. And um he <laughs> went to dinner with all the lads. <laughs> but we we had landed from, from this flight and uh we we got pictures and, and stuff and then I kind of I put the pictures on Facebook. By the time I did the three-and-a-half-hour drive home with, with, with Keen, it was 400-odd likes in this picture. And I stayed up most of the night then to, uh, to edit it. And then I drove the half-hour to work the next day. And uh, I put it on YouTube, put it on Facebook. And at this point, by the time I got to work in half an hour, it 2,500 views. And wow. That just kept going up and up and up and up and up. Because and, it, spir-
1: it went viral, that video, didn't
0: it? It did. It, it, it's just underneath 12 million views now.
1: Yeah, was it did um, it go lad, Bi- um the lad Bible as well took it. Lad
0: Bible, Aussie man.
1: Um,
0: there was a couple of others. You know, you have
1: made it when Aussie man's.
0: Ex- yeah, <laughs> and I didn't even realise what happened. So it kind of all started with I'd woken up from uh I just woken up and had all these texts saying congratulations, and we've seen the video, and I was like, why are you on about? Them? There was one text from my cousin in Australia saying she saw us on the on the news, and I was like, What what's going on here? So I yeah. up my phone and opened Facebook, and it's it, it's just a torrent of notifications. And y- lad, Bible have it, and it was just it was it was just going ballistic. And then I remember that that, that happened, and we, we were celebrating something like two hundred thousand views. At that point, and we were like, "Oh wow, two hundred thousand views! Wow, that's so good! Wow!" And then it just went from there. And and my, my stepmother, who was who was a chef, made us cake that said "Celebrating two hundred thousand views," and like, literally, within that week, if it kept going up, we had about four cakes to celebrate because
1: it, it, just, <laughs> it Kept hitting different milestones. It, it
0: was going well. And I remember one morning I got woken up by my phone ringing, and I was like, who is this? And I was like, oh, hello. And it's about half six in the morning. And um, I have literally just got woken up with this phone. I'm not with it at all. And it's a producer from the Anton Savage show in Ireland on Today FM. And they said, wow. uh, who... Was like, oh, would you, would you be happy chatting to us about the flight and i was like yeah when and she was like stand by and next thing i knew i'm live on the radio and i'm like I, i've literally just woken up 10 seconds ago and now you're putting me live on the radio i was like uh, uh and,
1: and like, you haven't had your coffee and you do I, like a cup of coffee
0: Haven't had coffee love my coffee I haven't I haven't even got I haven't even got dressed <laughs> chatting on the Anton i don't Savage i don't, I don't want to imagine I'm what naked. you were wearing yeah <laughs> um,
1: manic and that, yeah. that
0: was it. And, and from there, then it, it just went mad. And there was newspapers, and we were just national heroes. And we were we were ended up on on um, TV three, which would be uh, the seven o'clock show, which would be uh, Ireland's answer to uh, this morning. Um, and then the pinnacle came when when we were asked by Ryan Tuberty's team, was quite big in, in Ireland, to go on the, the biggest national radio uh, in, in Ireland to go and talk about it. And There was people wanting the rights to this video for advertisement issues and, and, and everything and this 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 was it was it was mad and completely out of my comfort zone and Robbie just took it in a stride Robbie didn't care as long as he had tractors to play with it was it was just <laughs> it was it was mad but for for as a flying perspective to put William syndrome and micro light on the map was an absolutely amazing yeah. thing and one of the best things that I have come out with that was a letter from William syndrome to say thank you so much and it's, it's gained so much traction and from that we ended up making contact with um other uh, families who, who have uh, kids diagnosed with Williams syndrome and weren't sure how to mm. cope with it. And I was able to put them in contact with my dad and my stepdad and they're able to, to, like, this is how you do it.
1: As I, uh, that, that, it just sounds one of those stories that you, you couldn't imagine happening at all, really. No. Uh, and, and that passion feeds into everything that you do. And so a lot of our chats off, off, uh, off outside of this sort of scope, there's just so much passion, and you are such a character. <laughs> uh, which is kind of where this this uh, Everything Aviation podcast is the epitome of you. Anything that's aviation, you're into. So that's kind of one of the sort of penultimate questions I've got. And so wh- where do you see your podcast going? Because you have interviewed some pretty epic celebrities. And I use the word carefully um, from around the world, America, Mike Ling from the, the X-Reds, um those people that own airfields the the whole raft of people and and the pinnacle is obviously your dad clearly um in 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 that stuff like that
0: i'll never hear the end of it
1: (laughs) (laughs) and then obviously meeting people like sam and and it's just the whole aviation community from the light end through to the heavy end it's all encompassed in your in your podcast but where do you see it going in the future have you got plans for where you want to take it yeah, so
0: if, I'll give you a base of how I actually started this podcast. And it was it was something that came about during, during lockdown last year. I moved back to Ireland for a few months. And I'd always, I love podcasts. I love listening to people's stories. Um, and one day I was sat in the kitchen and I was listening to, it was retired major Brian Shule about his uh, story, um, flying through, uh, flying the, the, the SR-71 Blackbird as a training team. And listening to uh, California, I think, I think it was LAX's uh, frequency, and people want speed readouts. And
1: mm. oh, that's gave, brilliant story!
0: It's, it's a fantastic. He gave his speed readout something like two thousand knots or something, and not a single hour.
1: An hour, yeah. It's yeah. A, if
0: you haven't listened to it, go on, go on to YouTube. Type in uh, Major Brian Show and have a listen to this. It's called the Speed Story, the LA Speed Story.
1: LA Speed and Story. It's hilarious.
0: Fantastic. <laughs> and I'm listening to this, and I'm thinking. Oh, I would love like to listen to more stories like this. And that's when it hit me. I was I'm a massive fan of Russ Kemp. I'm a massive fan of, of, of Jack Maid's podcast. Like podcasts in general, just, I just, I love and I listen to them. It's stories, it's people's life stories. And I thought, well, if I love listening to aviation stories, well, why don't I create a platform where I can listen or anyone can listen to these stories at any time? It's all in the one place. Pick a story, have a list and move on to the next one. And this is where it kind of came about. So when I got back from Ireland, back to the UK, uh, the first thing I purchased was, was a. It, it wasn't anything like this. I did it with a, with a Dictaphone um, where I would, would balance it on the speakers of my laptop and through Facebook Messenger, I would video call someone and, and have a chat with them like this and hope my Dictaphone would, would record yeah. the audio. And... That, that's how it kind of went about i started interviewing mates of mine like my, my mate Kim, who i mentioned was the first person on the podcast and then rob squire who, who is quite a massive influence on my flying at the moment and is my best mate and, uh, he came on it then and talked about it and we, we kind of went up in in the world from there but one day i was like oh i'm just getting my mates i really want to branch out a bit so one of my i wouldn't say one my, my hero in flying is mike Ling. Um, and for those of you who don't know, Mike Ling, Mike Ling is is the uh, war, uh, longest serving Red Arrows pilot in in history, and uh, he also flies uh, a Spitfire now, and he's part of the Blades Aerobatic Team. And I wanted to chat to Mike, so I reached out. And if you
1: haven't listened to that podcast, it's in Mike. My... <laughs> Go and have a listen, because it's a re- it was a really really interesting podcast uh and and i i really enjoyed it so so anyway back to you come on
0: um it, it, it was just i really shout was like he's never ever gonna say this i i was that kid who just got over excited at air shows on to meet Mike Lane. Um and to, to my absolute amazement mike responded within the first day of emailing him and and said yeah he'd, he'd be happy to to listen to my podcast and that was kind of my or happy to, to speak to my podcast and i was like well that's that's one of the big things of breaking through here because I've now got someone who everyone knows and who's my, my hero and people might want to listen to this. And I was like, Oh, I might be onto something here. Hmm. So I had a had a chat with Mike and from chatting to Mike and all that, I kind of got the confidence to be like, right, well, I can talk. I could send anyone a message. So hmm. I've sent out tons of, of messages to people and, and, Ninety-five percent of them actually actually come back, and that's how this podcast has kind of come about. And we got some amazing um, guests in there, as, as to say, who've taken the time to talk to me, and I'm genuinely interested in hearing their stories. And that's where this has come. Like like Sam himself, Sam's one was absolutely amazing. When I read that, I needed to I needed to interview Sam. And if you yeah. haven't heard Sam's story, if, if you're finding it difficult at the moment, and you're in the any kind of aviation industry, you have to have a listen to this story because Sam's thing will just
1: he's been through everything, isn't he? Yeah, deft- yeah. he definitely
0: he did. It, yeah. Sam could take anything on now. Um, and then kind of, I don't think it's been officially announced yet, but so I'll do it here instead. But Touchdown Radio uh, UK, who are the UK's first aviation-only radio, we're looking for radio presenters. And I was like, well, I've done the podcast. Why not? Um, <laughs> so I, I sent in an application. Unfortunately enough, they've, they've taken me on, and I'm starting very soon with them. So I'm a touchdown Sweet. radio presenter now. Uh, yeah, and that's kind of where I want to take the podcast is onto the radio, um, and kind of get new ideas for it there, and, yeah. and, and watch it grow. And um, I don't care if it wins awards, uh, and I don't care like it it it's got quite high in at the moment. It's got it's got quite high in in uh, we've made it into the top ten in in, in Australia. We've made it into the top ten in New Zealand. We were number two in Ireland at one stage. We were in the top ten in the UK. Um,
1: and is that just on uh, on streams?
0: That that's just on streams um wow and yeah. it,
1: all from it, all from a crazy idea
0: all from an idea of me wanting to hear other people's stories and people wanting, possibly people wanting to hear stories also
1: yeah and and that's kind of where my, my idea with this was like well you want to hear other people's stories but actually your story is just as interesting and i thought this is where we're going to turn the tables on it well this uh, is where i
0: kind of agreed to it because you know, yeah. you listen to the, the Kemp cast, which is done by Ross Kemp. Everyone knows about Ross Kemp. and You listen to, to like, Jack mate. Jack mate's had a massive YouTube following, and he, he's a YouTuber and everything like that. And then little old me comes along, and nobody knows anything about me. And all of a sudden, there's this weird Irish guy doing a podcast chatting to some of the biggest names in aviation. Um, and it always kind of struck me as if, would it be better if people had an idea about what I did um, mm. and what, what my story is? Um so, and now we know. I know you know.
1: <laughs> yeah, all about half a chicken in your aircraft,
0: <laughs> and having a spit roast in the Isle of Wight in the middle of the day. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Rob, it's all your fault. <laughs> I'm sure he's cowering in the background there somewhere. He
0: is. Yeah, he's 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 gone very quiet and very red.
1: <laughs> yeah, fair enough. My last question is: um, is that part of it's taking on your passion of flying? And and clearly today, even today, you've just released a video. Of you flying the Spitfire simulator at Goodwood, which looks amazing, I might have to save my pennies and, and drag myself down there and have a go. Um, but where do you see your flying going in the future, really? So this is sort of bringing bringing your podcast to a close. We've gone from your childhood, your embarrassed BBC documentaries, uh, your midlife crisis, as it were. Uh, but where do you where do you want to take your flying in the future?
0: Um, I'd I'd love to, like I said, I'd love to get the instructor sign up for the h T twenty. Uh, yeah. That's what I'm kind of working working uh, to now uh, with Alphatech, and yeah. then um, I'd love to get. I think my next kind of step is is to do the BMAA strip skills course, which is getting in and out of uh, farm strips and soft ground. Yeah. Um, and then you need it. a
1: PB for that. It's really easy.
0: <laughs> An AX3 will do as well. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then I would like to do the tailwheel stuff. And then go on to do the instructor's course, um, doing it that way. And every everyone kind of, and it, it annoys me, like, it doesn't really annoy me. It's just, I find there's this superiorness that GA think they have over microlights. Because um, every time I mention I want to be a microlight instructor, now fair, I've got a few mates who have said, do do what you want to do. But there's a few few people down like my, my um, flying clubs and stuff like that who have said, oh, go up to the A class, you can do all that, blah, blah, yeah, you can, you can do lots more and I could probably end up flying a Spitfire if I did that, but it's all about the money and I'm, I'm happy doing what I do. I'm having way too much fun doing what I do now where C42 would outfly a 152 any day or a 172 any day. Um, and, and that's, that's just where I'm, I'm happy with what it is now. I'll, I'll have my A320 instructors rating in the bag, uh, in the back pocket. That'll do me for, uh, for work. And, um, We'll we'll just have fun and, and instruct on uh, for for fun on on the micro lights afterwards. And I think that's as far as I, I really want to go now. If anyone offered me, if someone came to me tomorrow and said, "You, I want you to fly my Spitfire or fly my Harvard, uh, any kind of warbird really," but you need to do the light, I'd go and do it in a harpy. But mm. that's so rare to do that. I just I'm I'm happy doing what I do, and that's where I want to take my flying. I wanna I wanna compete more. I want I want to do more competitions. I want to do um, it's a sport you can't complete and I want to do my instructor right now I want to teach you never stop to...
1: learning do you you never ever stop learning
0: no never and the day you do is the day you should stop because that's when you become dangerous
1: I exactly um, I say exactly the same thing yeah
0: and, and, but yeah that, that's where I want to go with this I want to teach people my passion I want to be able to bring people into this world and show them how I feel and what I see um, and that that's kind of what I, what I want to do with it
1: brilliant well I've I've kind of run out of questions to ask you really so that kind of brings your podcast to a close um as you said we never stop learning and for those that have been watching this podcast i hope you've learned a bit more about your natural host for this podcast mikey mcmahon thank you very much I nearly got it right there as well. Nearly. Nearly. <laughs> nearly. <laughs> One of these days, mate. One of these days.
0: <laughs> we'll let you off with it.
1: <laughs> anyway, so um, so that closes your podcast. Thanks, everyone, for listening. And as I say, I hope you learned a bit more about Mikey, your host. Thank you very much for listening, guys.